Hello, and welcome to Anywhere's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizland on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. Hooray! And uh, it's Very Good Television Podcast, and we are going to talk about some very good television right now by popular request. We actually did say last week, hey, do you guys want us to talk about Legion? And somebody actually said, yes, please talk about Legion. Two people. Two whole people. Maybe three. I don't remember my mom's email. <laughs> I think your mom's email was vague. Yeah, I think it was more about the content of the episode than uh, requests. As as it usually is. We've heard from fans that aren't our mothers, so (laughs) here we are, Legion Week. Legion Week. We're talking about Legion because Ben has seen the first four episodes, and I have seen the first one, but I've seen the first one twice, if that means anything. Means a lot. Means a lot. Um, And that's a good television show, Ben. It's a great television show, Liz. I dare say it's very good TV. It is. We're done now, right? We're not done right now. We gotta keep talking about Legion, but because but it's it's a pleasure to do so because Legion has so much delightful element, has so many delightful elements to discuss. Um, and I actually got to go to the set of season two recently. I, I've been to both the sets of Le- Legion season one and Legion season two. Legion season one involved traveling to Vancouver and then being driven out into the wilderness uh, to this like abandoned like supermarket. Uh, dis- a distribution uh, center, Sweet. which they had transformed into a production studio. Um, for Legion season two, I got to walk like forty-five, like less than less than forty-five minutes away from my apartment uh, to a, a nearby Los Angeles production center. Because uh, Legion season two is a much sunnier affair, would you say? Uh, and just in terms of the aesthetic. I I, w- I would say that it's it's um, replaced some of its more more of its some of its horror elements uh, with a little bit more levity. Um, I think it's always been a show that the fun they're having making it is evident on screen. Like it has a lot more um, a lot more moments of joy than people may give it credit for because. It's, you know, immensely challenging and, and, you know, as you mentioned, uh, the first season has a very dark aesthetic to it. Um, But yeah, I mean, season two, I'd say it's, I think it's visually similar, which is a weird thing to say about a show that is visually stunning and imaginative. So like, it doesn't necessarily compare to anything you've seen before, but it definitely compares well to itself. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm curious now. Did we talk about this before? When you went to the season one set, what did you walk the long tracking shot they had where they like went in from the pool and then pulled out and showed, you know, all of the department people watching David and uh, they had, you know, computers set up and then he walked up the stairs into the office and he was in the office and the office had like all of the boss people in it, but it was like this. You're talking season one or shot. season two? In season one, when you went to, the, was that, oh, yeah. was that where you were? Did you uh, see that? Oh, we were in, we were in the, we were in the clockwork facility. By the way, we should probably do a little bit of a groundwork laying. Uh, we're talking about, of course, the Marvel comics slash Noah Hawley, uh, FX series that is an incredibly surreal delight just launched on FX, uh, last week as you listen to this. Um, yeah, in season one, we basically went, uh, it was like the sets they had up and it was actually really funny because, uh, they normally a show will have at least two sound stages 
And that means that while they're shooting on one soundstage, they can be doing construction on the other soundstage to set up for the next day of production. Um, in this case, they only had one soundstage, which meant any time that they called cut, immediately buzz saws would start up because they were just like they were basically trying to build sets in between shots mm. um which anyone who's done construction can imagine is probably is a pretty much a nightmare um but in turn all they had really set up was uh, the clockworks facility as well as some of the clockworks facility and uh the, the, the mental hospital as well as the home base for the folks so we didn't really get we got the the most walkable like long version of anything was uh, probably the mental mental health facility um we did and actually it was it was interesting too because we had seen the pilot at that point um but they when they were walking us around they were shooting a later episode so like the mental health the, the mental facility was now we were it was uh like basically in decay because we were represent, it was representing that 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 time in David's mind, mm. um, and it was so it was one of those interesting experiences where like the set designers walking us around, being like, "Yeah, we're not totally sure what's going on here, but we're told to do this and all that." It's I mean, it, of of the many sets that you could visit for television, that's probably top five <laughs> to to have the opportunity to check out because, I mean, they they just do such outlandish visuals and obviously a lot of it uh, or at least some of it is done with visual effects but you know there's practical effects involved there's a lot of set design there's a lot of costumes mm -hmm. um i would have killed to be on set for either one of the dance sequences so yeah no kidding uh, any, the, the, well, we should talk about the dance sequences definitely. any of the dance sequences I any yeah there's a fair there's, there's more fair, than two yeah um we're gonna avert i think we're gonna try i don't think we're gonna go into super deep details onto the into the season premiere uh but if you are feeling spoiler conscious, uh, you know maybe maybe be aware of that because we might talk talk about a couple of things if you haven't seen it that might affect your you know viewing. Um, in season in this the in the season two set visit, uh, they had built a lot. It was like mostly it was mostly stand, but and a lot of it did connect actually. Like most of the facility that David finds himself in in season two is built, um, including. The sushi boat restaurant, which is was really cool. Though there was this weird detail to it where the way it was built, there's like this one section you can't actually go to. Like the way that the sushi boat track curves, like you couldn't actually like nor if you were like a normal re restaurant patron walking in, there's no way to actually access the middle part. Like there's no like door or you know entryway. And I have no idea how like in the in that scene, in the in the in the first episode, you get Potomi on the other side of the track from David because that's you know he probably had to like climb over it. Huh. Well, yeah, probably. But yeah, like all the thing about the, the thing about doing a set visit is it really allows you to appreciate all the amazing detail that comes into the production. And Legion's especially interesting in this regard because they put so much emphasis on little details like shapes. And they're like, you know, and, and like it's one of those things where it's like season one was all about circles, season two is all about hexagons, and you know, and you can really see that in, in reflected in the work. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but like it's it's so it's always weird to watch something in, in that regard, but then also try to embrace it just as a piece of narrative content. Um, from your perspective, Ben, like, what was the most striking element of the season premiere for you? 
Um, I, well, that's an interesting question. I, I'd say that in terms of just a, a visceral response, and this is um, coded for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, there is a moment where you have a, a cat talking to you with telepathy, uh, <laughs> kind of. Um, and there's a moment, as mentioned earlier, that is just an absolutely bonkers dance sequence that honestly in any other universe slash show would have looked preposterous like the the choreography of it is unique uh for legion and not even just in the sense of you know obviously they made they built a new dance they're not just you know copying something else but in the sense of like the motions that they use to kind of um uh, fight with each other and and convey emotions to the audience. It, it's very powerful. Like it works really really well. So like there's those there's those moments that really stand out. Um, but for me, you know, Legion has always been a love story as well as a a question of mental health and not necessarily just the idea of of you know if you're crazy or if David's crazy or not, but the idea of just kind of understanding your reality. Um, because obviously the show is intent on making you question a lot of things as you're watching it. Um, and among all of the crazy uh, visuals that they did in season one, maybe sometimes you'd kind of lose track of the narrative a little bit, but it, you were you were okay. Like, you were okay with that happening because um, it was part of the experience. And I think what struck me about the structure of the season two premiere was that it felt very targeted toward keeping you toward toward setting up a season narratively um and keeping you tied to the story in a way that was a little more concrete than in previous seasons and that they did that without sacrificing any of the insanity like any of the visual uh, splendor of the show yeah so i i that was a long answer to a simple question <laughs> but that's kind of what i do so <clears throat> <laughs> um, so yeah, those th- those were the the parts that really stood out to me. Uh, I'm curious once these next three episodes and obviously the rest of the season comes out, what people talk about, mm-hmm. like what they dial into. Right. Um, but I feel like the show is taking you to very specific things, like topics of discussion. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I want to go to what you said about the dance sequence because you're talking about moves that we haven't really seen before. And I feel like maybe one element of that is how often do we see a dance sequence where, I mean, it it happens, of course, it happens all the time in the course of, you know, musical theater and whatnot, but that that dance number is not about sex in the slightest. It's about, it's about combat. And I think that's what makes the move so interesting. Like it's, it's really about, but it's not even like a full on like fight sequence. It's not a fight sequence. It's about. It's about like interpersonal dominance and submission, yeah. and I think that that leads to some really interesting moments within the number itself. Well, and, and that's kind of what is seems like is a lot of the fun for this show and uh, for the creators of this show, because a lot of what they're called upon to do is find visual ways to illustrate abstract ideas. Um, so what David is going through in that moment is he's trying to. He's trying to do battle with these people. He's trying to uh, have his way, let's say, again, without spoiling too much. Right. Um, 
but there's there's another moment that's uh, even more, and uh, and you talked to Holly about this. Uh, there's there's moments in the premiere that he calls what was it educational educational like uh in, yeah like shoot like you 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 pull, you have your computer up you can pull it up yeah. but yeah like uh because yeah he talks about the if, spoiler alert uh john ham makes a vocal cameo in this show which is actually really funny because i took a break because i'd forgotten he did that um, and I was on this in the middle of this ma- crazy mi- Mad Men binge, and I was like, "Oh, I'll take a break from my Mad Men binge and watch Legion. That'll be a good thing for my, my sanity." And then John Hamm's voice showed up, and I, you know, felt 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 the madness ascend. What well, I, I also love just on <coughs> on that part of the topic the idea that, and, and a lot of people have latched onto it because it's, I mean, it's fairly obvious, but it, it could be skipped over just because you're like, "Oh man, I like John Hamm," uh, or you're just trying to figure out who it is because sometimes it's hard to place voices. But right. I love the idea that. He was the star of Mad Men. This season, you know, opens with Welcome to Madness, which is what he says. There's a lot of things oh, about I his see insanity, and a lot of people have done that. They've they've latched onto that idea of he's the narrator not only because his voice is perfect for this, but because there is this kind of cute, uh, you know, pop culture tie-in that you can make. Well, also, it's worth noting, uh, speaking of someone who just rewatched a whole shit ton of Mad Men, um, that... Mad Men is a far more surreal show than I feel like we ever remember. I, I, than I personally remembered. Like I think it's easy to it's it's a show that I think like gets embraced kind of on the surface level for its qualities, but on the other hand is you know on the on the surface level for, for its qualities of like you know strong character drama, but then you also have stuff like you know. The fact that Don Draper sees dead people like all the time, like and it and there's like a lot of like weird moments of fantasy and delusion and whatnot. And I think I'm not saying in, in Legion is operating on a level far above that. Like Legion has no like Mad Men always had like one foot on the ground, and Legion is flying like Superman over the sky. Yeah, and I and again, yeah, and I I agree with that. And it is it is definitely worth noting. Um, Kind of how much, how much, how often Mad Men would would dip its pin into the the crazy ink, but, um, but I like yeah, the way no, you the, put that. The uh, the what we were talking to before before I went off oh. on a tangent and then led to a much better discussion from Liz was educational segments. It's very simple. That's like you just call them educational segments. Yes. Um, but what he's talking about are the segments in which John Hamm narrates little stories within Legion that are meant to again illustrate a kind of difficult idea uh when you hear it in words like if you just said it out loud it may not evoke the same response as the way that they decided to create this in the show and i think they've done a beautiful job of it so far like i really love when they decide to interject with these segments and how those segments are built because they flow nicely into one another um they are distinguished in terms of what they look like and obviously John Hamm's voice helps with that like mm-hmm. helps separate them from the uh, from the narrative itself uh, but also the the look of it just blends in with a lot of what's going on in the world of Legion so like it's it's a strong directorial choice uh, a strong writer's choice and again it's what it's what Hawley really enjoys talking about. Like he's, I mean, since Fargo, since as long as I feel like we've been pretty familiar with Hawley's um, created visions, like the stuff that is all his own, uh, he really enjoys talking about truth and reality and um, 
you know, he's a he's a political guy. He's involved in those discussions, and he recognizes what's going on in the world, and he wants to talk about that. And Legion is a is an excellent example of how you can take a super relatable wide uh, net story, aka Marvel superheroes, and tie it into something that is you know pertinent to the day and age that we're in as well as just ideas we all need to be talking about anyway. Like, it's not so much that we're going to look at Legion and be like, man, this was a perfect show for the Trump era. We're going to look at Legion and be like, this is a great show to discuss, you know, how we decide our own reality and, you know, what makes something real to us and how truth can be distorted and, and you know, who you want to seek your truth from. Like, I mean, all of these things are built into the narrative in a very clever way. And I think they're discussed in an even more intelligent manner because holy somebody with big ideas. I mean, look at Fargo season two. That was something where it was just, it was hard to wrap your head around a lot of what was going on in that. And it was, you know, a, a, a period drama with characters acting in the very real world as opposed to, you know, a superhero story where they're literally doing battle on astral planes. Um, but he, he <laughs> the ideas that he had in it were uh, were just wild, and I feel like he's found the perfect vehicle to to discuss them, and he keeps coming up with more intricate, interesting ways to do that in Legion, which is really, really exciting to watch. Yeah, I forget where things stand with Fargo season four, or year four, if you will. Uh, he's got an idea, it's starting to flesh itself out, and um, the, they're saying like 2020 at the earliest. So. Okay, that's good. I mean, because I feel like I feel like one of the like as much as I liked Fargo's Year Three, I thought it had some great qualities to it. I do think like it plus Legion seemed like a lot for him. Uh, and that's only the tip of the iceberg. He's also got, got all the other stuff. He's written like four books. Uh, he's adapting one of his novels into a screenplay. He's working on his directorial debut. He's got Doctor Doom in the canon. I think I don't. I need to double check that. And we'll I mean, put like notes, everyone but, has like stuff they're um, attached to and whatnot. Yeah, he's got stuff he's attached to, but he's actually working on them. Like if you talk to Holly or read some of the interviews, as as you've done yourself, um, like when he starts to talk about his schedule, like it is literally just moving like hours of the day from one to the next to the next to the next. He is somebody who just doesn't seem to stop very often, mm-hmm. um, and I. I when you're creating work like he's creating, it's hard to bitch too much about it. It's hard to be like, you know what? Fargo season three was great, but it wasn't like super great. Like it wasn't as good as the other two. You should slow down and like take a break. Uh, but, you know, whatever he needs to do, I just hope he's healthy and happy. So That's fair. Did you ever watch The Unusuals? I don't think so. Um, it's, worth, it's worth tracking down. I believe it's on Hulu, if not ABC.com. Um, but it was his first, like, big, like, or, you know, like, created by show, uh, or one of them. And good, really good cast, uh, like, including Adam Goldberg, uh, Amber Tamblin, uh, a guy named, by the name of Jeremy Renner. Um, Never heard of him. Um, Jeremy Renner's character I think you would really be into because he's a police detective. Is he the guy in Kill the Messenger? Jeremy Renner? Yeah. I guess so. Well, that's a good movie. Okay. <laughs> He's also in The Avengers. Never heard of it. <laughs> Not interested. Oh, man. Then we should totally do an episode on The Avengers so I can just talk about The Avengers. Absolutely not. Never. Why not? Because that movie's going to be garbage. That could be good. Uh, it's It has so many people in it. 
I know it's great. You are going to no matter who you friends, are. All my friends, all my friends are going to be in the movie together. Because you're like everybody else. You're going to you're going to identify more with like one or two or three of those people at best. They're and then all they're my not going to be on TV. They're not going to have enough screen time. So then you're just going to leave wanting more, which is the whole point of the movie anyway. It just wants to spawn more fucking independent solo adventures which usually don't hold up themselves so it's just like this is a garbage fire it's good and they had to split it into two movies and it's called infinity war it's just it's like so obviously placating to the machine of disney that i want to throw up like we wait i should stop I'm <laughs> next week's episode is brought to you by avengers infinity war coming to theaters april 20 something 27th april fucking never <laughs> I'm glad we got to you ranting about got from a you know a lovely little a lovely little ABC show that got canceled before its time to you <laughs> ranting about the Avengers very quickly. Shouldn't have mentioned Jeremy Renner. I shouldn't have mentioned Jeremy Renner, but he plays a New York City police detective who is also um, who is also a former baseball player who also owns a diner. I could buy into that. Yeah, it's a lot of things throwing at you that get, that character gets thrown that get thrown at that character, but it works somehow. Yeah, I can see I can see him doing that. God, I feel there's another. Maybe we're, I forget who else is in that movie in that show. Um, oh shoot, ah, I'll figure it out later. Um, What's important to realize is that Legion is the Marvel product you should be watching. <laughs> Legion, I think, is probably is is that is it your favorite Marvel show or Marvel property flat out? Yes. There's like that and Jessica Jones, which is a couple steps down. Right. And then I don't think there's anything. <laughs> but I feel like you and Steve are having a fight about whether or not Deadpool was the worst thing ever. Or it not. wasn't the worst. No, Steve would have a good argument for why it's the worst thing ever. I don't think it's the worst thing ever. I enjoyed Deadpool thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But you, you, you do not rank Deadpool highly. No. None of them. None of the movies. None. Fair enough. Wonder Woman's good. What? Wonder Woman was good. That was, that was a marvel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh man. I mean, point is, point of this. Where's that? Uh, where's that female-led Marvel movie? Oh yeah, it doesn't exist. It's Captain Marvel. Brie Larson's on. Third. Oh, that's yeah, that's coming. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Mm, better be. It's uh, directed by the people who did Half Nelson. How could it not be good? Answered your own question. You, you don't like the movie Half Nelson? Let's not get into it. <laughs> it's a great great performance by Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Baby Goose is always great. <laughs> baby Goose? We're calling him Baby Goose now? We've been calling him Baby Goose forever. I We've talked about this because <laughs> you had the same reaction, and then you put it together, and then you're like, oh, No, I understand yeah. why we call him Baby Goose. I just didn't realize we, it was a, that much of an ongoing concern. Not a concern. It's a nickname. It's what we call him. Okay. <laughs> ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week was probably Howard's End, um, which I believe I mentioned on the last podcast as my would have been pick or something. But anyway, it's definitely my pick this week. Um, Kenneth Lonergan, the writer of Manchester by the Sea and Margaret and a number of excellent plays, uh, adapted the book slash 1992, 1991 film um, to into a Stars limited series, four hours long, so it's not super lengthy, um, but it's incredibly fun and uh, just quick and sharp, and they 
hi he highlights just the perfect themes of the original work to make it feel very timely and um I, I feel like people, including myself, are sick of like using that as an argument for why you should be watching something. So that's why I'm trying to emphasize just how much enjoyment you'll get out of this. Um, anyone who likes costume dramas will be extremely happy, but anybody who's just kind of iffy or can take them or leave them, this one's one that you should be paying attention to. Um, and Haley Atwell just deserves all the awards that I hope she's lined up to get uh, in the coming months. But, uh, but yeah, Howard's End is definitely my pick. I've seen it all uh, it's worth watching in its entirety however you can uh, and i believe as you're listening it just aired its first episode on sunday hooray so uh liz what is the best thing you watched last week well so i had to watch an episode of Roseanne um oh God. this week and that wasn't good um that made me mad um, but then I watched another episode of Roseanne. I'm not saying it was the best thing I watched last week, really. This not this is only a cheat in that I'm talking about. Like, is, I could say that. I could say. I, I could say. Here are the things I can say. I can say, hey, you know what was a good show? Mad Men. Um, you know what else I could say? Hey, you know what's a great show? Uh, Better Call Saul. Season three is now on Netflix if you haven't caught up with it, and it's extraordinary. Uh, as always, like I'm rewatching it now, and it's just like. Mwah, chef's kiss um great character work there uh, and then but then i did also like the there's an upcoming episode of roseanne called netflix and pill that has a really weird dark core to it yeah. and i don't know how it's going to play out and i'm interested to see how the show does it because that shows writers have shown themselves to not be great at handling nuance and subtlety with these sorts of narratives. Um, but at the same time, they are definitely taking a chance with this one big, like, upcoming plot twist. So we'll see how it plays. Um, I don't... I, you've seen the episode, I'm Yes, I don't think I'd say taking a chance. I, it's... I feel like this is. I was just trying to look up where it's falling in the season. I feel like it's kind of towards the end of the season. It's it's it, listed as episode like one hundred and seven yeah, on this on the press site. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was. I thought. Yeah. So um, like two episodes of Fallout, I guess. Right. It, I, if that, it feels like something to me where it's set up to be. If it was a different show, I would expect more exploration of this. I expect this to be either kind of pushed aside or saved as like a kicker for the finale or wrapped up pretty soon but i, I mean i shouldn't yeah be presumptuous you are correct in the sense that this episode starts something more interesting than the first two did and it actively doesn't it doesn't actively poop on any other abc programming so always that. good um for the record ben really quickly i know we're running low on time uh if you could transplant the writing staff of one show onto the onto like the show roseanne like so same cast, same basic premise, but what, you know, different writing staff. I have an idea, which is you're the worst. Because you're the worst knows how to take characters who are fundamentally problematic and unlikable and make them feel like human beings you want to actually spend time with. That's the problem, though. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that Roseanne suffers because the characters are unlikable. I feel like the characters uh, are written into situations that make them unlikable mm, um an interesting nuance inherently so they're fine they're very average people i very much enjoy john goodman's dan even though even when he's ranting about things i disagree with um so i'd be more interested in uh 
say I, not a not a conservative writing staff um but like a version of the one day at a time staff who are obviously very good with multicam sitcoms but also would want to make a compelling argument and build these characters these middle american uh low income characters into people that we empathize with for the right reasons and that will start a discussion that everybody can take part in instead of kind of isolating themselves from the rest of the world because of who's running the show. It's lovely. Not really running the show, but and, it's and by Roseanne Barr. I owe you an apology because I said we wouldn't talk about Roseanne on this podcast. And, well, it's invading every corner of our lives, so it's only fair that it shows up here. Yeah. What's the next um, thing you're looking forward to? It's a great question, Elizabeth. Um, I think, honestly, I'm looking forward to the start of the final season of New Girl. Hmm. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how optimistic I am that they're going to make episodes that stand with some of the best. And obviously, I have a very complicated relationship with the series that I've talked about before. But... Um, I'm glad they're getting an end run. I'm glad that, um, you know, Elizabeth Merriweather is, is already signed on to do a new project, which I'll be very, I'll be first on board to watch. Uh, and I, I, we get to see Schmidt's more and Schmidt is always welcome anytime, anywhere. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to start that. It premieres on Tuesday, uh, April 10th. So the day after this, this episode comes out. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll be, I'll probably be ranting about it next week. I'll probably have something to say about it. Well, that's a good warning for me to watch some stuff, uh, watch some in advance. Yeah. I mean, we don't need, I don't know if we need to make the whole podcast about it, but I'm I'm going to guess in one way or another. Some way it'll slip out. Yeah. It it always seems to have an impact on my life. So uh, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Liz, what is the next thing you're looking forward to? I'm just going to make this simple. Howard's End. Oh, great. Yeah. We, We talked about it. So we're good. Um, and you can read all about Howard's End and more on IndieWire.com, where you find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. Make sure to listen to all of IndieWire's podcasts, including Turn It On with our own Michael Schneider, uh, the podcast that started all podcasts, Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn's Screen Talk, and then, of course, the one and only, the esteemed Chris O'Fault. His Filmmaker Toolkit podcast is essential uh, for anybody who has ears. So make sure that you do that and say hi to Chris. Send him an email. Tell him he's great because he is. I worry sometimes that this the, the, this relationship between you and Chris is becoming increasingly one-sided. Oh, no. Chris Chris and I are, are best buds. Okay. That's good. Best buds. Best buds. Best buds in the world. Uh, speaking of best buds, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. <laughs> you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Correct. We will be back next week. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, keep watching television. Thank you.